Welcome to the Calibre podcast, brought to you by the Watches of Switzerland Group. In this episode, Mark Tolson, Global Head of Watch Buying, meets with Jan Edox, CEO of Doxa. The two discuss Doxa's history and key moments, iconic products, and their favorite timepieces. Hi, good day to you. I'm Mark Tolson, the Head of Watch Buying for the Watches of Switzerland Group, and I'm absolutely privileged and delighted to be joined by Jan Edox, who's the CEO of Doxa. And we're going to take a deep dive, and that was an intentional pun, into the, one of the most iconic dive watch collections and also find out a little more about the man himself. So welcome, Jan. Hi, Mark. It's very nice to see you here on the screen, hopefully soon again also in real time. Uh, but it's a, a great pleasure to have you, uh, to have this occasion to talk together about DOXA. Well, thank you for making time for it. I know everybody's busy. So... If we can talk a little bit at first about your background, how you got into the watch industry and kind of, you know, I think all, all the listeners are always interested in the personalities in the industry. So it's good to kind of put a face and a kind of character behind the brand. So if you'd like to sort of tell us something about your early life in watches and where you've worked. So I grew up here in Bien, which is the cradle of the Swiss watchmaking, especially on the production side, not only for Doxa, also for other well-known brands. <laughs> And uh, I grew up, and uh, Bien is not a, a, a very big city, so with the suburbs were 100,000 people here. And uh, very simple, when I was young, you got already day-to-day, you saw all these logos from well-known brands, watch brands, and uh, the watch industry is something which you feel here uh, every day and uh, every evening. So then I had no option, I wanted to be part of it. Uh, the funny part is also that uh, here in Bien we, we talk two languages, so it's really the border of the French part and the Swiss-German speaking part. And then we were forced also to learn English at school. And then I said, okay, English is not a use here locally. So it was a part. The watch industry represented also a step in, into the international world. So uh, I was very proud. And then with 18, through... Uh, uh, the, the high school afterwards, I could join Omega when I was 18 years old. And uh, then I was wondered and expected right away, now you are part of the international world, which was not the case. So the first thing they did, they put me three months into the Omega Museum where I just cleaned watches, you know. <laughs> And, uh, and it was amazing today, I understood, but you got, you got right away uh, a habit for materials, you know. Uh, you, with 18 years old, you got uh, the needed respect to our industry, to products. And the main achievement then when 18, after three months, I was so proud, I was allowed to make a first tour. I remember to Japanese visitors from the Omega Museum. So uh, it's like it started. And uh, I fell in love with this industry and still over 30 years later, I'm still really proud and happy to still be part of that really wonderful industry. Yeah. That's incredible. So, yeah, um, what a place to start, though, Amiga. Well, you know, that's just terrific. And as you say, uh, seeing all the sort of antique watches, vintage watches, it does give you a feel for, uh, you know, for the sort of uh, the, the history and, and legacy of watchmaking, obviously coming from that region. So you've traveled quite extensively. You've worked in the Far East, I think, and all over the place. Yeah, and afterwards from Amiga, I stayed within this watch group. Then I joined at young ages. Uh, I was already... Uh, 
on a higher uh, management position with Swatch at the time. And uh, I did totally uh, eight years in the Swatch group. And then also in my family, I have some members who are also linked to the watch industry, very well known. And uh, then at the time I said, uh, I was advised, Jan, now you just can't be with the big players. Now in your career, you should also go to a very small brand. Uh, we call that, you know, the value of a penny, I think, in you when you turn it, that uh, not, uh, not just to work with big budgets, which then I did. And at the time I joined Milos at the time. Uh, but Milos was also purchased uh, by a very big Chinese group being at the stock market at the, at the time. And there I was in charge not only of Milos uh, for, for uh, during these 10 years. At the time, we opened up the Chinese market. The Chinese market and then within the group in that position, uh, we opened up on retail first stores for very well-known brands. I remember opening of a, of a flagship store of, uh, if not the biggest brand, <laughs> I don't want to quote names, but that was the first one in Hong Kong. And then during these years, I learned a lot uh, about the Chinese culture, the Chinese market, and totally we opened up over 100 monobrand boutiques in China. Wow. Yes. That's, that's something, isn't it? Goodness yeah. me. Yeah, and so you're fluent in Chinese, are you? <laughs> yes. So, no, uh, not at all. <laughs> Some words, Mark, but uh, yes. I think that's <laughs> very difficult. So I, I did that then for 10 years, then I got back and uh, then I was still uh, used to this travel. And then coming back to Bien at the time, I said uh, I had an opportunity to open up my own business in the United States. Uh, I wanted to travel and at the end I did that for six years. So I went to New York, opened up my own business and it was, a, I call it a Swiss office, which got larger, which I helped mostly in the watch industry to, to open up the US market for the for, for Swiss brands. Now, the culture between the Swiss and the United States, it's not a question who is better or not, but it's different, you know. So in Switzerland, it's a bit more conservative. And before that, the company stepped into the US market with big budgets. So I offered them a platform to, to feel and test the market first before they go into a bigger budget. I did that for six years. Uh, and then... Also in growing ages, I meanwhile, uh, I had kids and all this and this constant travel. And then suddenly it, uh, it, it was okay with New York. I needed to come back home to Switzerland. And now I'm super happy in Bien, but uh, and now I enjoy the noise of the silence, which before it was the opposite the way. So, but all the time linked to the to the watch industry. But your your other passion is uh, is soccer. From from reading reading a little bit about you, you, you enjoy soccer and you used to you used to play a bit. Yes, I, I used to play a bit when I was young ages until sixteen. And I and I was lucky. Maybe I was not the 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 the, the, the slowest one. <laughs> I want to say, and uh, I had a bit here uh, a small career until I got injured when I was twenty years old, and then my knee gave up and. Uh, and today I'm happy. So, yeah, but I love soccer, yeah. <laughs> oh, good for you. Good for you. Okay, so well that that's, that's fascinating. Thank you thank you for that insight. I think I think it's uh, I think it's great. It's good it's good to know about people. So, um so we should talk a little bit about the the history of of doxa. Um um and and Doxa comes from the Greek word meaning glory and it it really is a it really is a glorious a, a glorious 
brand and when we do these podcasts and we talk about um you know brands that have been established a, a long time so you know docs are started in 1889 so it's 132 years old we're always seem to be struck by the young age that many of these guys uh, set brands up so uh george Ducommon, he was he was 21 um i believe um and, and started started the company way back then um so it's it's quite a legacy isn't it it's 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 it's, it's old you know 132 years it's it's been going a very very long time do you, do you want to talk a little bit about the history of, of the brand yeah well we go back in 1889 it was the year i suppose the eiffel tower got presented to that was 1889 1889 you had the first big car saloon in paris yes and uh it's amazing go back time and then uh I mentioned Ducoma at, at the time he started at the time with pocket watches was not yet wrist watches but already what we read in the archives was really that sometimes he was walking 20 kilometers by foot to serve watches to consumers, yeah? So he was fascinated at the time. Uh, then one of his biggest inventions, beginning of 1905, 1906, was then the eight-day movement, you know, uh, which he got awarded in Belgium and I think in 1906 in Italy, in Milano, where he got the first bigger awards at that time. And there was somehow then also an entrance into the direction of wristwatches. First, for the pocket watches, then that 8-8 movement was also used in the car industry, also in the train industry, where, where you got the tablets, you know, as a as functional uh, a tool. And then later on, he started to, to go into wristwatches. We call it dress watches today. And so that was his path. And since ever, he also had a bridge to Eastern Europe, which we still feel today, yes. And uh, where it was very innovative. Then later on, he invented uh, also with a patent the, 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 the second hand, the, 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 the jumping second hand. Yeah, that was Ducomo, yes. And uh, so also for this, he got awarded. And then it was, he passed away then, unfortunately, I think it was in 36, 37. And when then his, uh, uh, from the family, Ulysse Nardin, he was, uh, Mr. Nardin, he was the step, in English, stepson of his daughter. And he took over then the, the doxa from Ducomar. And he was then initiated to go in a wilder range, as a wilder range, not in a bad sense, but really to offer a first complete collection of wristwatches. So it started there. The heritage is huge. And we're just now back in, in, in the 30s. And then I think uh, uh, initiation for the brand without knowing it in the 40s, but in the 40s, the world started to discover the oceans. And it started with Jacques Cousteau, I think in 47, 1947, he bet the world record without a tank to go almost 100 meters down into the water. And, and there it started where, where, where at the time then the engineers also of DOXA started to be triggered of, of, of that market. The, the people also, Jacques Cousteau, then uh, with his famous Calypso, where he changed his boat, you know, to make all these endeavors, where the world knows with the deep seas, with all these pictures. Uh, and, and there, lightly, it was an unknown territory in watch industry, which made it very difficult because, first, 
a diving watch at the time, you were really relying on your instrument, on your wrist. It's not like you day with the computers. And then, I mean, DOXA, we launched the first diving watches in 67, but in 64, through that impact and thoughts of the technicians, in the, the, the real research started then in 64 by, by a technician called Urs Eschle, who analyzed the market. He was also working to, together with Klaus Wesley, who was really part of this uh, con-shelf think and the wars of, of uh, Jacques Cousteau. And uh, they worked together, uh, first of all, in regard of design. Then they tested, the, at the time, the, the so-called diving instruments or dive watches. They were most likely black or dark blue. And then they went here just next door to the Lake of Neuchâtel with the Marine uh, uh, Club here in Neuchâtel. And uh, the Lake of Neuchâtel is not the Maldives. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, it's pretty much dark. And, and then they tested it and they went through and tested every color. And then they saw that in a depth of uh, 30, 40 meters already, orange is, is where the, 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 the diver is by far, he has the most of visibility on the watch. Uh, which got that impacted in the launch in 67 with the sub 300 and the 300T with an orange dial, which at the time was revolutionary, oh, orange, uh, what means orange, but it has its absolutely clear functionality. And to go from there, it's, 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 it's a, a wonderful bridge to the past and constant developments. So when I could be part, it's at that times with this, with this, what the people were, uh, 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 what kind of techniques were available at the time. It's not, nothing to be compared with today, of course. It is amazing how far they could go. And especially then also in 68, then uh, DOXA launched the 300T Conquistador with the helium, uh, with the helium valve, and which at the time had a, a very important functionality, very important. At the time also with Cousteau or the other divers, when they went down to, to 50 or 100 meters, when they had a decompression, sometimes they needed to go up and to stay in this, I know in English, the clocks or, or, or for, for hours. And the air which they needed to inhale was also that for the decompression, there was also parts of helium in that hair. And then they figured out in the watches, the helium is so small, this could have ended into the watch. And with the decompression, it could have blown off just the glass uh, of the watch. So th that was the first technical evolution where it was really a functionality behind to help the divers beside the double, the, the bezel which we invented. The, 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 the minute hand, which got large compared to the hour hand, which because the minute hand is much more important than the hour hand for diving. So, but really the, the, the 68, that was a very big step where I think the brand by its own got really also the huge credibility. Okay, here you did something which is not only helping Marine Corps, it was also really helping on consumers. Those are the key things for the, uh, the kind of the, the kind of history lovers. You know, the development of of diving in the 40s and fifties. And, and you mentioned Jacques Cousteau. Um, you know, as an oceanographer, and he invented the aqualung, which kind of opened up the whole. Uh, diving diving thing the wetsuit came along in in 1953 from 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 where i understand and people began to take an interest in diving um uh, per se and you had um 
Blankpan coming out with the 50 Fathoms and Rolex with a Submariner, uh, Submariner in, I think, Baal 54. And then you guys get to work on, on, on docks and, as you say, um, enlisting experts, working with... Um, with Jacques Cousteau and and, um, and and the people in the lake in Neuchâtel to 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 to, to come out with a, with a design that that was 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 just great. I mean the the case the the case shape is kind of what we'd call it tonneau, wouldn't we? I guess we'd call it tonneau. It's, it's a barrel shaped case um, and this bright orange dial, as you said, nobody had ever really seen that before, but it was there for reasons of of visibility, not not vanity, which which again is great. And the and the um, and, and the bezel, the, the no decompression bezel, was 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 a big deal. I mean, that, that's patented. That, that's just wonderful. And the, the sort of thick hands, as you said, um, um, and it's uh, and, and of course the helium escape valve, which again, from 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 reading, you guys worked with that uh, on that with Rolex, and you're the first people to have a, a kind of commercially available helium escape valve on a watch, which was which is, I mean, it's terrific, really. I mean, what a, what a rich history that really is. No, absolutely. So at the time, it's also when you go back, uh, we directly don't mention other brands, but it was such a small circle. You know, it was such a small circle what we figured out. We have really original documents and that with all these uh, technicians, also like Claude Wesley, you know, sometimes working for this kind of organization where I think the other brand you mentioned was part of it. Then we worked for another organization. And at the time, it was really the the what I mentioned before, to be able to offer it to end consumers. Because at the time you had this special institution, you know, was also with the army, but to make it available. And also what you mentioned with Jacques Cousteau uh, was also that that when he saw Doxa, then he right away capped it on a commercial deal, you know, with U.S. divers. And then he said uh, he took the distribution on the U.S. and South of America, which we figured out later on. He also had the rights to sell them there. Uh, and then everywhere he had this famous Aqualong U.S. divers logo on the dial, which still today became uh, very demanded uh, Collection pieces, yeah, as well as the sort of case shape, and and the um, and, and obviously the the, the dial color. Um, I guess one of the other iconic things is, is the bracelet, the kind of beads of rice or grain of rice bracelet, which is it's sort of very evocative of the sixties. I always think. I mean, it's a it. it I, I, you know, I, I just think it's a great bracelet. Really, I, I really do. You know, and I think it's a, I think it's really, really well. Actually, the watch is really comfortable to wear because I, you know, I've, I have tried them on. I don't actually own one yet, but but I will. Uh, but it's it's a really it's a really comfortable uh, watch. The, the shape of the case and the bracelet, etc. It works really, really well. Um, and I mean, I mean, from from the UK perspective, um, well, actually from the US as well, uh, we know how. Um, how popular the whole kind of diving watch look, the diving watch aesthetic, is is is, is really really popular. And um, I mean, I think the, maybe the majority of watches that we we sell don't really do any significant diving in, in the way they were intended to. But it is a great look. It's incredibly popular. And, and I mean, I don't dive, but lots of my watches have that have that aesthetic because it's a, it's, it's it's a really cool look. And um, you know, you got brands like, um, uh, you know, Seiko reintroducing some of their some of their seventies looking watches, and Amiga doing a similar thing with the with the the Seamaster three hundred. But I mean, you guys were right in there at the beginning with this really iconic look, and I, th- I think it's wonderful that you that that it it's it's coming back into the market now with 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 some force and some some real evidence. So it's it's really it's really pleasing pleasing to see, and. Along with the orange dial, um, you have a sort of 
profusion of other dial colours, which is is really interesting because it's it's sort of bang on trend for now because over the last 18 months we've seen you know dials from uh, colorful dials you know reds greens yellows blues from from all sorts of brands but but you have you have sort of six key colors don't you which um, have all got names and i don't know if we, we should sort of go through those i guess um absolutely what what you mentioned we figured it it's uh, as a so first of all for for the of course, we're happy that the design by its own, uh, which includes also the bracelets, which I agree, I also personally wear it with great pleasure and it's really very comfortable. But again, the bracelet at the time, just to jump back uh, again in history, it also had a functionality again. Sometimes for us, it's a huge or for the diving suit to make it extendable. Uh, that was an important part at the time. And the idea at the time was then also to be able to wear it during the day. That's why you make these extensions. So it's, it's, uh, and when it goes through with the color, then of course, with the kickoff and orange, other bright colors stepped into the pictures. And uh, yeah, and then also in the last 18 months, uh, it's uh, not that we felt, uh, oh, we initiated now the global watch market, but sometimes it was a bit funny to see that it's really some brands, they really took exactly the same six colors as we have. And we are there since what, since 40 and 50 years with the six colors on the market. But I think they're the big difference for us. This is not fashion. Color has nothing to do with fashion for Doxa. It has a functionality. And uh, I have some watches here, and if today we see the six colors, so I prepared a small box with watches, if that is allowed here. So this is the Faber 300 in, in orange, which got launched in, uh, 60, uh, in 67 at Basel. And then when we go road 300, got paired. I'll do it a bit fast because then your audience there will may think I talk too much. So then, <laughs> then we got here. Okay, today with a rubber strap, we got the 300 also in orange. Which looks amazing on a rubber strap, yes, absolutely. Yeah, really, really compelling. The orange is amazing. And uh, then also with uh, the Helium Wolf, which in the history of Doxa got launched then one year later in 68. And then we go through one iconic piece also, which we just now in 2019 was 10 to 200 uh, G-graph here, the chronograph, which is an amazing piece. This one here, personally, also when we decided to make a 50 years anniversary edition, and in 2019, uh, it was still, we still had a stock of old original movements. So, and still the, the collection in 2019 involved the original movements back to 69. This piece was uh, uh, launched in 69 in Basel. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. That's a, that is a piece of history. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. yeah, and then I will go through and then we have the, the, the Aquamarine, which I have the 300T. And the main six color is Aquamarine. Yep, then we which, have, is, which is beautiful. We have the yellow, we have, uh, we have the silver and the black. And every, and every color got a name. So I summarize. So the professional for orange. Then uh, the black uh, is the shark hunter. Then we have the dark blue, the Caribbean. And then we have the aquamarine for aquamarine. Then diving star for the yellow. And uh, sea rambler for silver. And then last year we did something which we trigger a bit the market. Then we came out today, we, we say we are on the market with six and a half colors and maybe it'll change for the future. And then we came up with the sub 200, the white pearl, 
nine full white. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was. Um, I, I thought it was. It was great that in a time when most people are introducing colours, you already had them, and you introduced a white dial, yes. which every, which kind of everybody's got. So I thought that was. Uh, I thought that was. That was really. That was really quite something. Uh, but yeah, the names are great. I mean, Caribbean for the navy blue, and and you know, Sea Rambler, the the silver dial actually um, is. I don't, I don't. I wouldn't say it's necessarily overlooked in the collection, but that silver dial is a really beautiful colour. A really beautiful silver. You know, particularly, um, particularly, I think in the carbon, in the carbon watch. Again, we'll talk a little bit about the families. Uh, well, we'll talk a little bit about the families. Is now, as you like. I know you, you just showed some watches, but basically, the entry point into the collection is is called the sub two hundred. Exactly. Um, yes. Which is a sort of forty-two mil steel case, um, three-hand three-hand date model uh, with a rubber strap, or an FKM rubber strap, or or the grain of rice bracelet, um, and that's uh, it's around about just under a thousand dollars US and and, uh, and um, under a thousand pounds sterling, and and the, the, they're they're really great. I mean, they you know they. So relatively inexpensive, but they're they're they're, they're great performance. I mean, uh, two hundred meters water resistance. You know, it's really good rotating bezel and all that. Um, quite a really really cool watch. Yeah, so it's also this was for us also when we came up. We launched in two nineteen. The the original inspiration of the sub two hundred also got back into the seventies. But it was not only that to, to go back to to find that kind of design in the history books of Doxa. It was also that since ever Georges Ducomin. Odoxa was all time known to offer a lot of watch for a very fair public price. Since ever. Since ever, Doxa was known for this. And today, as you mentioned, we may go through the different collection, but the core range of Doxa today in retail now in Swiss francs, I will make the calculation pounds, but in Swiss francs, retail or in US dollars, the pyramid, it starts at 1,000 and it stops at 5,000. That's also where we feel home, where we see in what Doxa is doing, there's no direct competition, we believe. Uh, other brands, the portfolio, not that we build up Doxa because of other, what others are doing or not. First, we just do in what we're good at and what we believe in. And, uh, and today also the, the, the end consumers, they can see that Doxa is a brand. Uh, we understand either you like it or you don't like it, but the credibility is there and Doxa stays in the water. So we're not trying to please uh, the air the, 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 to go everywhere because you may do some sales there too. And sub 200 was an initiation uh, which also had a strategic point of view. And this is now important because we, 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 we found that now when we're going back into the 60 Doxa had, and still has a huge community of fans, especially in the United States, but also in the UK and, and, and especially in the Anglo-Saxophonic markets. This is also maybe later we talk, that's why we reunited them first. Uh, had to do with the original uh, uh, brand awareness which Doxa has in the US. But we saw and that's why we came up now back uh, with the owners of Doxa two years ago of the decision. It's beautiful to have a fan base but the fan base is aging. And, uh, and then maybe Doxa could have taken a risk that you could have been seen as a, I call it like a museum brand, where people come, they congratulate you what you did in the past, uh, they clap on your shoulders, but no one is thinking to buy a watch anymore. They don't initiate spontaneous sales for the future. Then we really made a study, it was amazing, also have two kids, 
then we all believe as being fascinated of the uh, of the history of the brand. But if you may think that the young generation today, everyone knows who Jacques Cousteau is, it's not the case. So, uh, so and then we said, okay, now we, we are we're on duty for this rich tradition for the brand. It deserves that the next generation can explore Doxa in a right match with to show tribute to the past, but also to adapt it for the today and to the future. And that was absolutely necessary. What you mentioned, we also felt in the market, oh, uh, by far not all our watches, they land up on a diving suit. Uh, we, we, we saw that people who want to look sporty for whatever reason. Uh, we may use a word which is now seen the most of the people they find it good. We call it the desk divers, you know, <laughs> uh, the desk divers. And then with the sub 200, we said, okay, we initiate something which is more easy to enter into the world of Doxa, to offer an amazing product value for retail price. And uh, we didn't develop the sub 200. Uh, okay, let's see what will be our the cost price and then we'll fix the retail. We knew the retail is there. And whatever the cost is, it will be the cost without compromise. And this product is maybe from the case shape compared to a 300 and 300T, not the most spectacular in history, but they did a wonderful job. They did a wonderful job for the first generation to step into Doxa. And when we see with this model as of today, since uh, we don't want to mention 219 a recall, but over 50% now in 220 and 221, we got over 50% first-time buyers of Doxa. And that's an, that's an amazing number. And uh, so that, that's why we started with the sub 200 and it's the entry level of Doxa, who, who still today is a, it's selling, it's great, you know too. Uh, uh, but it's entry level, not that the brand could go and to, 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 to justify your rich tradition and you want to right away ask 5,000 Swiss francs retail or pounds or US dollars, it's a gap. There the end consumer is asking already a, 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 a brand existent in the market. And, and I think um, on, on the rubber strap, uh, when, when you introduce the, the, the white pearl model, you also at the same time introduce the slightly smaller strap width, you know, for, 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 for ladies, um, uh, particularly, or people with smaller wrists, but in general, general ladies. Um, and um, I, think, I think women are taking more of an interest in, in, in kind of dive watches or that, again, that aesthetic, as well as, you know, white's a really cool color and it looks good on holiday, you know, but, you know, that's, that's maybe a reason why some people bought it. But, but again, it's a, it's, it's, it's a really good look. Um, but then, so I guess the icon then really is, is the sub 300 T, the, the sort of direct descendant of the conquistador, perhaps the tonneau shaped case and everything. Um, I mean, the, 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 the 300 T, Starts around eighteen fifty US dollars, or uh, just under eighty eighteen hundred pounds, uh, and then you have the sub three hundred, which looks similar, looks very similar, but it's got um, different different shaped uh, sapphire crystal. Um, the three hundred's cost certified, and that, that's that's a slightly higher price point, but it's the icon, isn't it, really? Yeah, these two, yes. As I've been also the 200 T-graph, but those two, we started 67. And then we have end consumers, the 300 and the 300 T. Now for us internally, it's not at all the same watch. Uh, 
but but you need to explain so and then the 300 that uh, when, when you see it i don't know difficult it's very thin and you also have the sapphire glass box today and uh, the movement is also cost certified um uh, and also the diameter, the, the, the size of the diameter of the dial by its own, it's much smaller than the 300T running on a 42 millimeter case. Uh, and for the 300T, then the Conquistador, which you mentioned, to be able to put the helium valve in, of course, you need a certain thickness in the case, which technically on the 300, uh, uh, as it is today, wouldn't be possible. We saw one, a 300, with a helium valve, but we couldn't find because for the moment we tried to buy also, you know, all pieces. And, uh, and, uh, and also the history books, I would love to have it perfect, but uh, there's a lot of work to do to go back. And sometimes these people, they tested, they did some watches, mixtures. We found mixtures between 300, 300T. Uh, but today we're just taking into the collection where we can see there's really a deep root in one of those collections. But sometimes it's funny that we found some pieces which, uh, yeah. Were kind of hybrids almost. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so the, so the 300T then, that's, um, that's, that's 1200 meters, that's 4000 feet, uh, which is, which is amazing. Hence the, the, um, the helium escape valve. Um, and again, you've got the six dial colors. And the the no compression bezel is in is in feet, um, and then on the three hundred that's uh, three hundred meters um, or just just under a thousand feet, um, and you have the no decompression in, in meters. So that's again some of the kind of visual differences as well between between the two. Um, yes, yeah, so it's all the time. It's now when you go to the global market. I think they had a challenge in the past too. Also, then the bezel is it in feet? Is it in meters? You do only in feet, then other people may be disappointed, only in meters, then those. So that's why from time to time we play around. And it's not too difficult to, as you did it great, to uh, to make the difference in calculation between feet and meters. So the divers, they know, yeah. That's great. And, and then um, it was, uh, uh, was it, I can't remember if it was earlier this year, or was it the end of last year, when you came out with the sub 300 in carbon, with a carbon case. That was amazing. Yeah, this or is, is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. This was yeah, what, yeah. Uh, what I wear. Uh, and this is now the, the duty which we have today. It's, it's, it's to bridge the past with the today and to do tomorrow. A doxa in itself, we have really a lot. It's not only ideas. We work on a lot of projects. Now, we are a bit limited because, as uh, I mentioned before, we want to stay in water and we talk about salt water. Certain materials, if you want to be credible, they fall off the track. You, you can't use them if you want to stay credible in salt water. Uh, but here, for example, is then to go back six, and, and to, 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 to combine it with the forged carbon out of today. And the watch is weighing 87 grams only. So and now here you have a, a, a wonderful dive watch in its aspects and design. But at the same time, during the day, some dive watches, often Doxa and other brands, you know, to wear them constantly during the day in the office. And if you write emails, they can get their weight, you know. Uh, but here, it's so comfy to wear during the day. And it's, a, for me, a watch, which is a really a very nice match of the past, the today and the tomorrow. And which may also lead the end consumers or the fan base into guessings that uh, it will not stop there. 
but we, it's too early to tell what it will be. So, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we work on it. The price for the carbon cases, I think it's just um, three thousand eight hundred ninety dollars or three thousand seven hundred fifty pounds for a carbon case watch with you know three hundred meters water resistant. It's 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 great pricing. Again, it comes back to that kind of value value uh, perspective you mentioned. I mean, it's it's really cool, really really cool watch. Oh yeah, terrific. Um, and then, I mean, we, we, we can talk a little bit about the, the collection that, that's just launched, um, which is the 600, the 600, the sub 600. Yes. So also there, we, we made a limited edition first in titanium, the Pacific. And also there, it is uh, what has been done uh, through the different decades now when you go back in the 60s. And here we have taken also the area at the time of the owners of DOXA. It is not only to go back, if you want to be true to yourself, it's not only now since 1997, DOXA is still family owned. It was, it was never part of a big group. Uh, but also then with the owners, the family Yenny, who are very known in the watch industry. Uh, then we also decided, yeah, but listen, we can also show tribute to the previous owners. It's also, they, they did something very nice. And this was the 600T in the, in the 80s. And so it's now the, the, we launched it in a limited edition of 200 pieces in titanium. Uh, and it's the so-called Pacific that was also in a collaboration with our partner in Australia. And that's why they deserve for Pacific to have it in a limited edition, also in a different kind of blue, not just make it in a standard blue. Also to have a single folded clasp on the backside, also in titanium. And uh, 600 meter water resistant. And so that's why it needs its height, but it's again very comfortable to wear. Uh, nicely shaped between us. We didn't took one to one exactly the piece. We just lightly changed the angles because today still we need the metal bracelet uh, later on, uh, and also here to make the uh, uh, very nice fitting integration of the rubber strap. And also overall the rubber strap, not just in this collection, overall is the FKM rubber strap. Our straps, they don't smell. It's not glued in different layers with silicon and changing colors after two days when you're under the sun on the beach. They keep the colors uh, under a certain extent, of course, <laughs> but it's not comparable with, uh, with, with other, uh, uh, with other uh, so-called rubber straps. So we were super happy to, to have been able to launch this. And I think now we talk about the stainless steel. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, I mean, w one of the things about that, that case, Jan, particularly, is, is, the, uh, is, the, is the crown at four o'clock. I mean, that's, the, yes. that's I, I love that. I, I love that in a, in a dive watch. I think it's, uh, it's just a little bit of a difference, but I think, I think it's great. Uh, so what I have now, I let, uh, this is now spontaneous. Uh, I have the pieces in stainless steel, which I can show in that case, Mark, already. So as we can, as we are not live, so I will ask them to bring them in. I didn't prepare that one. Uh, 600 T.
So the idea was, of course, then also that that gap between the the, the, the 600T. Now it's a very unique piece, as you mentioned, also with the crown at four o'clock position. That one is one to one, and they also go back not to have a date. At the time, it had a date, so different to have a clean dial. Then also the design of the markers, you know, at 12.9, differently original still to, to, to its time. And what I found overall interesting, now being not a super old fox in the watch industry, but still carrying over 30 years, the 80s were not really the, 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 the massive years where the watch industry got the 80s in the brine. Oh, that was a year, that was a decade where a lot of new designs came out. The 80s were a bit boring. You had it before and the 90s, so it's my opinion. And then that's why I'm super happy because it reflects the, the design taste of this area, beautiful. And now, of course, behind the titanium development was also done to come up with the stainless steel collection. So, and first, this is now pure beauty, the Caribbean, that really is lovely, yeah. 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 I and love then, the markers at the quarters as well. I think it's great. Yes, and also then, as you initiated, it would be available here with a ceramic bezel. Think, again, here the retail pricing is amazing. What we offer, also 600 meters, and also in the price, still also for one yeah. photographed folded clasp. Super. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one, what you mentioned is now with... The metal bracelet. That's a beauty. That really yes. is. Love the dial color. It works really, really well. On that, yeah, the bracelet's really cool. And also here, this is now the sandblasted. So the six colors will be available with either the the, the matching ceramic bezel uh -huh. inlay or then with the sandblasted. Why to do both? We had headaches. We went both were beautiful. This with the sandblast for me is it is absolutely reflecting the retro style of this period. And the ceramic bezel has a bit more of modern touch, the sported approach. And then here, as the case is really shaped, sharp, we couldn't mix it with the beads of rice bracelet. That was, you can't go with round and edge. And then as we play here very nicely, which you don't have in titanium, but here you have the brushed angle and the polished side. And the bracelet, the metal bracelet, the, the supply internal was crappy we polished the inside of the bracelet uh, i i don't know now on the camera that is difficult but it really has an absolute look and the bracelet man it needed to be square with the integration on the watch and being on the wrist and on the wrist it looks amazing and uh as said we're gonna launch this on the 30th of november and but again on the wrist it, it's it's a watch which is not in its look oversized it's really beautiful and so happy to launch it still this year. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a beautiful thing. It really is. I mean, as you're saying, the the, the bezel combinations, the dial combinations, the strap and bracelet. There are kind of 24 options in that collection. So um, uh, yes. I think you you can find one you like very very easily. Yes. In fact, actually choosing one only might be a problem. Yeah. Uh, thinking about it, but uh, but they're, they're they're just wonderful, and we we we're so happy to see uh, to see those launch. And I'm sure I'm sure our clients are going to absolutely love them. Um, so um, I, I know you 
I know you're obviously working on lots of projects, but we can expect to see all sorts of developments, I guess, from 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 Doxa over over the coming years, which you probably can't talk about. But I know you you will be working on things. So I, th- I think it's also that there's two ways. First of all, and which is our pride, it's really to to, to work on, on on the product, but at the same time, it's also now how we present ourselves in the markets. And then first of all, Mark, we're so happy to be able to work together with Watch of Switzerland in the UK and in the United States. And for us, it's uh, during those periods, uh, Doxa uh, was one of the first brands started to be available online only. That was in 2001. And in 2019, where we decided to, to, to push Doxa into new territories also, to, 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 to be almost forced to find a new end consumer, younger end consumer audience, uh, then we decided to go also in the offline market. That was absolutely needed. And this is what we do today. So as of today, we want to still keep that presence in the offline market to, to just work with the best of the best, which what's of Switzerland is on the retail level, but to keep it exclusive. It is not that Doxa should be at every corner one day. And, and one of the biggest USPs today where, where end consumer and even industry partners asking us, how is it possible? There's not many brands where you can't find any discount online. And it, 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 it's a USP. It's, 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 it's a commercial USP, now not on the product. Uh, we already get demands, oh, but Doxa, uh, why are you not giving discounts as other brands? Now we have Thanksgiving, Black Friday coming up. Why are you not discounting 20, 30%? We said, we don't call it Black Friday. We call it Fair Friday. So it's... it's uh, uh, th- something is unique and their development first we reunited the UK together with the US and Australia and now we're moving forward of course with Doxa the first next market will be markets where are, which are accounted by water uh, and the next step now in Europe by its own totally we opened up now meanwhile 40 point of sales in entire Europe together also with Watch of Switzerland in the UK and, but we keep it very exclusive. So expansion plans now is go. We have a big demand in, for example, in the Middle East. And again, then the Middle East will be important. I'm super happy then to bridge that back to London. So, and, and, and today, uh, a brand, when we compare the, 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 the people in end of the 60s, 70s to make a brand known, well, it was very hard. You just had these classical newspaper channels and there uh, was a lot of money. And today with social media, this one doesn't know borders anymore. Uh, at the same time, it's a huge duty if you make these mistakes and also everyone knows. <laughs> so that's why uh, So that's why we take it very prudently. But the, the idea in the next two to five years that Doxa is represented globally on a very exclusive basis and in the offline market, I would love that Watch of Switzerland would be in every market. Maybe that day will come, but then we're good. Uh, but, this, but you were the initiator with us to go in the offline market and uh, super happy. And the match between the offline, the online, to have a good service by end consumers, where the end consumer can feel the touch and feel the motivation of the retail partner you have. And uh, this is very important to us. And uh, so that's also the growth brand next to these product developments which we have in mind, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Amazing, amazing. So as you say, we, we're we're present in New York in uh, in our in our Hudson Yard store and our Soho store. Um, we also have you in in our in our Mayor's um, store in International Plaza, Tampa, in Florida, which is. Uh, which is great diving watch territory, I, I think. Um, and then this available also on our website. And then in the UK, we're, we're currently in uh, Watches of Switzerland, Oxford Street and Stratford. And again, on our, on our Goldsmiths, etc. cetera, uh, Watches of Switzerland mapping and web platforms. And, you know, we, we are working on a plan to, to, to expand in, in both markets, which we're, which we're super, super excited about. So um, that's, um, yeah, that, that's great. I mean, I, uh, I, I think... Uh, we, we tend to always ask if anybody has a fa- what, what their favourite watch is, and I think I'll have to I'll have to give you my favourite watch. I think actually it is the Aquamarine, uh, the six hundred T on the bracelet that you showed with with the steel bezel. I thought that was I think that's beautiful. Um, it really didn't. It, um, I mean I've looked at it on the on, on the page on the sort of presentations, but. Um, a sort of that sort of real life on on the screen that we've just seen looks amazing. Um, and I noticed you wear you wear the yellow. Is that is that your favourite? I mean, I guess you can wear any one you like, but uh, I don't know whether you have a favourite. So, so the favourite for me, it is uh, one of the favourites. Really, the carbon. Uh, uh, it is. Uh, it's sometimes also a piece of the duty which we have today because this is now the existing team working on it, uh, and, and being a kind of a challenge we have. Uh, the six hundred T. I'm looking forward. But uh, as crazy sometimes we can be, what we already in our brains, and not everything will be do. But uh, I'm looking forward also to where what we're gonna be launched next year, in two years to come. And uh, but for the moment, yes, it's the carbon and the 600T as you mentioned. I'm looking forward. For me, it's more the. It's lucky that I have these two watches. Exactly this one will be. Yes, beautiful too. Yeah, it really is. Okay, Jan. Well, well. Thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been it's been wonderful to see you and, and listen to you and hear all about Doxa and the history and uh, and it is an amazing history. And um, you know, just from an aesthetic point of view, the watches are really cool. The dial colours are really cool. They've got a great price, uh, a great pricing structure. Um, you get a lot of performance for the watch, and they just look incredibly cool. So, so thank you, Jan. It's great. So, thank you also, Mark, for for you, the entire team at Watches of Switzerland, also in the UK. You're doing a great job, and uh, you're such a great partner on our way to to uh, to give Doxa the possibility to create more visibility and to bring it really on on the wrist of new end consumers such as not to forget our fans mm-hmm. and uh, I think today uh, what we see they're super happy to see Doxa being brought into the next generation so at the end if everyone is happy we are happy fantastic thank you very much indeed thank you Mark thank you for listening to the Calibre podcast we do hope you enjoyed it please do subscribe and listen to other episodes on Apple podcast and Spotify Spotify